Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, and joining me from across the pond is the most excellent statesman to my kingsman, it's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well, Matt. Uh, good to hear from you. What's going on? Uh, not an awful lot today, my friend. Um, visit, visited a, a geek shop, which had which was as full of toys, merch, and nostalgia from the last god knows how many decades and it was like going to heaven and back so that was a positive thing for me to do this week with a mask on must say very everyone had masks on and only a few people were allowed in at once but i was in there for about an hour so there was a queue of people waiting to get in but i'm good i've got a cup of tea as i do uh, on a tuesday evening in the uk ready to shoot the breeze about film but before that how are you I'm doing well, um, you know, uh, still on quarantine, but uh, my wife is uh, cleared from the doctor to have recovered Ooh. from uh, COVID, so that's good news. Although she, hers was always very mild, so we were very lucky. Um, I tested negative again, uh, so as of now, I am also free, but I guess I am still in a window where I could still get it. Uh, it could be incubating and, you know, hiding inside of me, waiting to pounce. Uh, hopefully not, but, you know, can't tell. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, otherwise... Um, Working from home, teaching from home, and uh, building lesson plans. And I've actually been watching some uh, Cary Grant movies, which I will get into in a little bit when we get to our uh, consumption. But um, what are we here to talk about this week? Well, we're here to talk about, I mentioned something about being most excellent. As you know, Bill and Ted Face the Music is a film that was finally released. Uh, It came out on VOD in the United States, and it's coming out in the United Kingdom in just under a week's time now, literally a few days' time in the United Kingdom, uh, myself and John were lucky enough to see it early. So the question is, of course, is this most excellent? You're going to find out in a minute, but first, let's find out more about the film. Of course, it stars Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, uh, Christian Schaal, Samara Weaving, and Bridget Lundy-Payne. And it's directed by Dean Parasut, or Dean Parasso, if you're that way inclined. Uh, written by the original writers Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, And the synopsis reads, once told they'd saved the universe during a time-travelling adventure, two would-be rockers from San Dimas, California, find themselves as middle-aged dads, still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfil their destiny. So, Bill and Ted face the music. It's been 29 years since, uh, since the second film came out. I was vocal about whether this film would be any good because... Sometimes you wonder if bringing the get like no pun intended getting the band back together mm-hmm. is for the best or not, or if it's if it's just gonna I say ruin the legacy, but if it just ends up being a pointless uh, exercise. So I did go into Bill and Ted with that in the back of my mind, thinking, please be good. Do you know what I mean? Please, or at least just be decent. Um, and what did I think about the film up top? I had a good time with Bill and Ted face to music. I I really did enjoy this film. Um, I had a few issues with it. But for the most part, I thought it was very good. Um, Alex and Keanu still have that excellent chemistry from way back when they were much younger. They both go all in as well. I was worried more so about Keanu because he's left these roles behind. But also at the same time, Alex Winter barely acts anymore. I mean, he's done 
He's directed a lot of documentaries for the last 10 years, and he's done six six films since Bogle's Adventure in 91. One of them, he is just a TV gangster, and another, he was credited as Subway Passenger. So he hasn't done an awful lot of acting. He's done a lot behind the camera. So he got that was what I was worried about. Could these guys slip back into these roles that they are... What well, one is known for, and Keanu's known for much more now. Thankfully for me, they did. They re- they did. I felt I just felt like they were the same characters, just older. Of course, we've got the uh, added um, plot now of having their daughters. Obviously, Samara Weaving, who plays uh, Theodore the- Theodora Thea Preston, uh, and Bridget, who plays Wilhelmina Billy Logan. So there's that into it as well. How is that going to work? A dynamic with two young. Uh, the two young females playing off against their dads. Thankfully for me, they were excellent as well. I thought they were really good. They really added a lot to the film. Uh, Keanu and Alex are still the focal points of the film, but Samara and Bridget get an awful lot to do and they're not just there for the ride or to add another layer to the film. Uh, There's some fun cameos throughout. There's a nice hologram recording, which was a lovely little touch they put in. I'll save that for the guys who want to see it. There's a robot on it who was fun. He was a bit odd, oh, yeah. but he was fun. I, I got I had to get used to him. When he first came on I f- and started talking, I thought, what on the hell is this? But the further the film got on, I liked the robot. The comedy was good. Most mostly ex- most excellent. Mostly excellent. There were a few moments where it didn't fully work. But to be honest, I didn't think they overplayed their hand at all. I think they the pacing of this film was spot on. It was kind of in real time with the events of the movie. But yeah. every sequence was just about the right length for me. Some of the some of the gags worked better than others in terms of where they ended up, but I liked all of them. And there was a counselling subplot, which it doesn't really built upon, and what could have done without that, to be honest, because it didn't really add much to the film, I don't think anyway, in term, or, where it, or how it was resolved anyway. But Bill and Ted's face the music, for me, I was worried about it. Was it just going to be a bit naff? Has it been thrown on VOD because it's not very good? No, it hasn't been. I really did enjoy this film. And I know I know you're going to say it as well, but, you know, it's feel-good hit of the summer pretty much. It's just the film we need now. So, JB, yeah. Bill and Ted, what well, say you? So I, I am a, a big fan of the original film. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Bogus Journey in a long time, but I – have fond memories of the second one as well. I do. I, it never pulled me back in where I love so much about the first one. Even I would say, um, it's hard to watch and not point out some of the problematic elements of it, but it is a, it is a reflection of the time period. They, they use some uh, homophobic slurs a couple of times in the movie. There is a clear sense of like this homophobia that is present in the eighties. It's, it was, it's a reality. We can try to act like we were woke back then, but we weren't, we were very much not. And so those moments always feel a little like that doesn't age well. But at the same time, when you realize the time period, it's like, well, that's how people were Um, as shameful as it is. We can't deny that's, that was the attitude. But Mm. the thing about the first movie that has always uh, made me so happy is the sheer optimistic nature of it. Mm. Um, Even the conflict in the film never feels like over the top or big. It's, it's very straightforward. Like the, the, the most, 
silly part of the whole franchise is Ted's dad being so hellbent on military school, right? Like that's <laughs> the silliest conflict in the entire thing. Cause that's, that's many nightmare scenarios and bogus journey revolve around the dad and that. And even here, while he's too old to be sent to military school, you could just hear the dad thinking it, I should have sent you to military. School. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the most negative thing in this whole franchise. Like the movie oozes optimism in general. And it's something that I, I adore. And when you introduce their children, it would have been very easy and I think very Hollywood to make them angstful teens who are ashamed of their dads. And that's not what we get here. Mm -hmm. We get two kids who are clearly, not only do they think their dads are cool, but they are very much mini me's of their, of their parents, but not caricatures. I, and that I think was important. They feel like they have their own sense but it's heavily influenced by their dads. It is not that they are their dads. It is, we are our individual people, but we definitely heard what our dads were saying the entire time. They believe in the power of music and they believe in the power of friendship. And those two ideals are things that I adore. And so I loved so much about this movie. Um, it's so fun. Again, is this movie an art house masterpiece? No, no, it's not. It it knows exactly what it is and it's doing that so perfectly. And so, like you said, well-tuned. Um, and there are going to be scenes that maybe don't work as much for other people. Um, there's definitely some elements I would have loved to spend more time with. Uh, we get a kind of a rehash, but a modernization of the history, like uh, f historical figure gathering, um, which I don't want to spoil who they gather, but uh, that is tied into this one, which we didn't have in the second movie, which was honestly lacking. Cause I, I love that part of, of bogus, of, uh, sorry, of excellent adventure. I love the, the historical figures are some of my favorite moments in that first movie and that's here, but they are definitely not getting as much time. So, uh, you don't get as much fun with them, which is okay. Um, it does give me hope for maybe a, a, a Bill and Ted's daughters, uh, what is it? Theodora and Billy yep. sequel. Um, where it's just them and they get to do their own thing because it would be really cool. I, I would. I, I, I'm definitely on board with Samara Weaving. I was less familiar with Bridget Lundy Payne, but I thought she did a very good job of being a Keanu-esque figure. Um, and uh, I, I had heard a criticism. I think it was on the um, NPR uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour um, criticized that the, the daughters like the same music as their dads. And what, to me if their dads were strictly like eighties and metalhead and they were still only talking about Van Halen, that would be an issue I would have. I would be like, yeah, sure. They, they clearly would like other music. But if you, if this movie to me introduces the idea that these guys are the most eclectic taste in music possible, they've dabbled in every genre and instrument to try to find the perfect song, which would stand to reason that the kids love all music. It's not that they love one music. They love, all music which how can you argue against that like at, at all like to me that makes perfect sense that they they have been trained to appreciate music at a level that most people just don't you know most of us are very subjective with our taste in music they seem to be open to any and all mm -hmm. um and that's proven with their historical knowledge of music throughout the course of the film too like they didn't just go and get you know current rock stars or something they found musicians of of great renown throughout history and one of the things I think this movie rectifies that I never noticed was wrong with Excellent Adventure until watching this movie. And I, I've mentioned this a few times in a few different places, but I feel like it's it's worthy of, of praise is that when we think of historical figures for the, the premise of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, 
right? They're going to fail their history report unless they, they go through time and discuss these significant figures in history. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at who they get, they get Beethoven, who makes major contributions to music, right? Sigmund Freud, who changes psychology. Joan of Arc, you know, the female soldier, so significant, right? Genghis Khan conquered part of Asia. Billy the Kid, wait a minute. Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid? A cowboy, sure. But a historical significant figure? Maybe not, Maybe right? you've heard of, but yeah. But yeah, right, we've heard of, but is he significant? Especially when you compare him to some of those other figures on that list. Mm-hmm. And then when you realize that they're all white people. Yeah, 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 yeah. 20 years after the Civil Rights Movement ended, right? Like, it would have been very easy to bring in Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. But instead we bring in Billy the Kid, and it's like, hmm. Well, well, maybe surely there's some representation of, of African Americans somewhere in the historical. Oh, there's not. There's not at all. And so when you when you think about that, and then see what this movie does much better with the diversity of their historical figures, I think it, it's kind of. I think they're acknowledging again. It's of the time era. It's of Hollywood. It's a very big problem that Hollywood has pointed out that there's systemic racism built into the system, uh, which is what systemic means. Sorry for the redundancy, but you get the idea that it's it's there and i think this movie does it and i don't think it does it in a pandering way i think it does it in a very it makes perfect sense the diversity that they pull um in this in this film so i i i was again not something i'd ever really thought about but this movie and i think probably the climate that we find ourselves in right now as well um it's on the forefront of my mind all the time is representation and on screen and i was like wow that's a really cool kind of upgrade that this movie did in, in terms of at least trying to bring in some diversity. And to be fair, it's not like the whole cast in Excellent Adventure is white. The the history teacher is an African-American or is black, however the appropriate term will be. But still, he's like barely in the movie. It is implied that he slept with uh, Bill's stepmother. But um, apparently everyone has uh, in the in this franchise, which is another problem of the of the franchise. Yeah. Um, no, there will never be a more frightening scene in a movie than the scene where uh, Bill's dad kicks them out of Bill's bedroom to sleep with Bill's uh, former, you know, student. Uh, well, not student, former peer uh, who is now a stepmom. Uh, yeah, and that look he gives as he closes the door it is disturbing. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, over if you can erase that scene from your memory, the, the first movie is so optimistic, so happy, and I feel like this movie gets that same vibe. And it does so in a great way. I think the um, the only one who seems slightly downtrodden is Ted, and that is uh, it's part of the movie. It's part of the story. Is Ted is Ted is slowly starting to question if they're doing the right thing or not. And Bill, being the ever uh, optimist and leader, kind of pushes past it. And I think that's I think that's true. Maybe maybe there's a little meta commentary between you know Keanu Reeves's life is like I've left this behind, mm-hmm. and Bill's like, but this. And finally, he's like, you know what? You're right. This is great. What was I thinking? Yeah. Um, how could I ever walk away from this? This is the thing that made us. And I love that. And I love I love friendship movies. Um, you know, this this the bromance of these guys is is excellent. Uh, most and it, it's still most excellent. It's still very. It's clear here. Um, I don't know. Again, I, I don't think this is a perfect movie. I do think this is exactly what I was in the mood for when it came out. Um, and I do think this movie shouldn't be good. Like, right. Like it's, it's everything about this feels like it should just feel cheap yeah. and insincere. And it doesn't feel like that at all. The earnestness that the characters have 
uh, I feel like is in the script from Matheson and Solomon as well, that they believe what they're selling here. And I, I like that. I like feeling that someone actually has this hope of like things can be okay again in a time when it feels like it's never going to be okay again. You know? Yeah, you're right. So, uh, I, I had a great time with it and I'm definitely, uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled that this is what we got. And in my opinion, this movie makes the Bill and Ted trilogy one of the better film trilogies. You told me that like, after you'd watched it, because JB saw this before me and was, uh, and after the embargo dropped, he finally let loose and, and he dropped that bomb. And my first moments were kind of like, bloody, that's a big statement, man. Right. I mean, if we think of great film trilogies, there's not many, right? Like uh, to me, it's like, obviously the first Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like both of the other trilogies have some severe flaws that lessen them at a yep. big scale. And of course, my opinion and your opinion, I think we share uh, with the, the the sequel trilogy yes. is the last film, not the middle film that some people would say. The uh, last their... film blows to a point. <laughs> yeah. And then The Last Jedi. I don't know how anyone can make that film say they hate. Uh, I just, it blows my mind that people anyone hate it. Anyone who hates that but, film um, isn't a film fan. That's I feel the same. You could be a Star Wars fan, maybe, but maybe not. You could not and like course, the film because that's subjective. But anyone who says it's a bad film, or if you ask some, you ask people what their what 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 some of their worst films, and they put the Last Jedi, you think, come on, dude, come on, really, yeah, it's one of the worst yeah, films um, ever made. But um, and then like I love the Back to the Future trilogy. I think that trilogy is a masterpiece. Um, and then uh, Lord of the Rings, right? Like those are the well, like his like the Godfather. The third movie sucks, right? No, I've actually never down, seen it. Isn't it. A lot of these trilogies yeah. down. Obviously, the Batman, the Dark, the Dark Knight trilogy. The third film lets it down, right? I mean, to be fair to Nolan, that wasn't the original plan for that movie no. because Joker was supposed to still be involved, and obviously, with Ledger's passing, there was no real, no real right way to do that. Because one, who would want to step into the shoes of that performance? Um, no, of like course, you. Yeah. It, it'd be like career suicide probably unless somehow you were able to give as good a performance, which is unlikely. Um, but also it'd be disrespectful in theory to ledger. Uh, but nonetheless, so yeah, uh, there's not a lot of great, I'm sure I'm leaving one or two out. Uh, Cause I guess you can make an argument for the Indiana Jones trilogy, but then they, they wrecked it with the fourth movie, mm-hmm. right? It's no longer a trilogy. The alien trilogy and the fourth movie's not good. Oh, right. But like but then again it's it's a quadrilogy you know so like you keep getting uh a lot of these movies don't stop at three right um and this one may not this one it's definitely left open where they could do another one they could do the the spin-off movie which then i i guess you'd have to debate whether or not it's a trilogy i'd question, I, I'd, uh, I'd question whether that would be part of the trilogy because it wouldn't be called surely it wouldn't be called bill and ted would it be i, mean, I guess it'd be billy and thea i guess but yeah something like that uh continue the music i don't know um they did uh, the slash film cast pointed out the one thing that is kind of bothersome is that they changed the naming convention of this movie because it's it's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Bill and Ted. They dropped the apostrophe s. It's no longer possessive, and it feels like ah uh, maybe they should have you know created the music. Can't get over that now. Yeah, so it, now it's, you said it. <laughs> yeah, it is like why did you change the naming convention? But. Um, yeah, and again, I, it wasn't my original idea. That was from Slash Film. I think I think Jeff brought it up, and I I kind of have to agree with him. It is a little annoying now that I that he said it. So, um, but yeah, I I had a great time. I loved it. Um, I definitely if you're a fan of the first film, especially, I don't see how you could watch this and not enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so like I feel pretty comfortable uh, giving it high praise. 
Yeah, and you mentioned obviously about the the, uh, the daughters not being angsty, which was thankfully the case. Um, I found that about the film in general, because it surely would have been so easy to have Bill and Ted themselves just be literal literal losers. You know what I mean, like literal losers yeah. with nothing going for them and facing up to a failed life, blah blah, and, and make it like a more serious film. They didn't do that. It felt more like a, a continuation. You know they, you know they, they, they're doing well. You know they've got, they've got, they, they're, they're married. They've got kids in the house. They nice houses. But yeah, they don't look like they're struggling financially. That's it. They just haven't fulfilled their destiny yet. So I, I like that they didn't just, you know, pour on the misery. And the, and when you say about um, Ted, he the crisis he's facing, that feels re- real within the confines of the film. It doesn't just feel like they've just thrown it in there to have, so they can have like. You know, fifty fifty something year old man looks back as a failure. It, you know, it's small in doses. He doesn't sit there. He doesn't really sit there and kind of like pile the misery on it. It's just kind of like introspective thoughts and like, is this the right? Is this you know, is this what we should be doing? Blah blah. But then that's quickly brought back out again, as you mentioned. So it's handled well. They didn't just go full mm-hmm. misery. They didn't just go full party mode. There was a nice balance they they struck. And like you say, this isn't this isn't you know the greatest film of all time. And I don't. And I know people roll their eyes at the bit when people say that, but it's a lot of fun. So I didn't expect it to be a character study, and I'm and it didn't need to be. It just needed to be a fun film that continued the vibe of the first two, but updated it for 2020. And I don't just mean like cast diversity and behaviours, but just you know bring it into the modern times. And in every way they did that, and I'm really pleased that they did. So like you, um, I, I'm happy to give this a thumbs up. It had the energy and exuberance that the original had. And that's what I love about the original, just the energy throughout it. And I like the second film, but this carried that on a bit. Like I say, it, it helped having an hour, 30-minute runtime. So, yeah, Bill and Ted, it did this, done well on BOD. It did it done fairly well at the theatres, but it's no surprise that for the first two weeks of its release, it was the uh, most rented film on Fandango, yeah. Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, um, Amazon Prime as well. So it was top um, for the first two weeks, so... It made it's made two and a half million in the box office, but people have people if people can watch it at home, it seems like people are voting with their backsides and are watching it at home, which is fair well, enough. My understanding too is that the theatrical release was only drive-ins, and that is definitely a limited number of screens available mm-hmm. uh, for drive-ins. So, and like, if honest, you live in a city where there is no drive-in, I'd that's rather not an go option. to watch a classic film at a drive-in and watch a new film like this at home. And that, that's just me. I like the idea of outdoor cinema, and I've seen a few. But I went to see La La Land last year in the summer. Lovely outdoor uh, theatre cinema. But I would rather see a, a new film like, in the confines of somewhere where I can sit down and like, give it my full attention rather than thinking, wow, this is a nice summer's day to watch a film. This, you know, Look at the birds and the butterflies. I'd rather just sit and watch it. And I think a lot of, and again, with what's going on in the world, I'm not surprised that more people seemingly decided to watch it at home they may i may be wrong in terms of like the actual figures but you know it's it's done extremely well in home rentals so yeah if you get a chance to watch it guys whether that's vod or actually in the theater because it's getting a theatrical release fairly decent one in the uk do go check it out the one the last thing uh, on the trilogy comment though um what this could be an interesting detail i feel like most trilogies the middle movie is often the fan favorite um empire <laughs> strikes back back to the future 2 uh, this is, I think, going to be where it's the opposite. I think the first and third are going to be much more fan favorite than Bogus Journey. I think most people prefer the the first film over the second yep. and probably won't prefer this one over the first. I think the first is still like 
the, the the pinnacle of what this is, but I think this one comes back around to that same vibe. And so, you know, if, if other people agree with me that this is now currently one of the better film trilogies that exist, um, it's going to most likely be that weird inverse of it being the first film being the strongest and the third being second, and then the uh, the middle film being kind of the weak link, which again, I think there's good stuff in Bogus Journey. Oh, yeah. I love Death. Death is one of my favorite elements of the whole franchise, and I love that he shows up in this one. Um, but the the sequence where they, they kind of mock Seven, Se- uh, Seven Seal, right? That's the... Um, uh, oh, everything's just not in my brain. But I love the whole challenging Death to a game, like becoming literal for one, and it not just being a metaphor, and then... Uh, the the comedy that breaks from it and him being a sore loser is just hilarious. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, I think enough, but I, I really enjoy it. I definitely, if you've, if you've slept on it, if you've been apprehensive about renting it, um, I say, don't rent it, get it. It's great. Yep. I can't add anything more to that. Party on dudes. Most excellent. And all the other buzzwords, which don't sound quite as good coming out of my mouth than they would probably from yours, JP. So that's our Bill and Ted face to music review. And now we're going to move on to our next segment, which is simply called, Chuffed headlines, and it's where uh, John and myself we uh, just have a discussion about a pop culture or movie headline that's caught our attention uh, over the last seven days. So, JB, what has what have you seen which has um, perked you up? Well, what what listeners need to know is that I am a massive Jurassic Park fan. Mm. Like, love that movie so so much. Um, I even like Jurassic World, despite a lot of people's criticism. I, I can't make as strong an argument for Fallen Kingdom, but I, I really, really like uh, the first one. I like the first Jurassic World, and I don't hate. I think Jurassic Park three gets a little bit too much Alan. hate. I think, I think that yeah, that part's the the biggest problem for sure. But um, this week uh, on Instagram and Twitter, Sam Neil has been posting um, videos of him and Jeff Goldblum uh, sitting together and singing songs together. Um, <laughs> from classic musicals mostly and uh it is it is so heartwarming um and it is so goldblum goldblum is like ad-libbing like he's basically like uh like scatting goldblum goldblum isms you know what i mean like he's doing the goldblum like stereotype kind of you know speaking in randomly and like uh, you know uh, reassuring sam neil it is great and uh, the cost they're not costume because they're just doing this on their free time but goldblum is like in a suit with like sunglasses looking cool is awesome and then like sam neil's like looking scruffy with a coors light shirt on <laughs> <laughs> so it is it if you're fans of uh, i'm a fan of both of them individually yeah. but i love them in jurassic park for sure and uh, to be completely honest i'm pretty sure i had not seen sam neil in anything prior to jurassic park when i was a kid um i had seen jeff goldblum because i my mom used to watch uh earth girls are easy all, all the time for some reason um, I distinctively remember watching that movie many, many times, not realizing it was Jim Carrey until many years later. But, um, uh, and I'd seen, I'm pretty sure I saw The Fly when I was a kid when mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have. So, um, I, but I'm, I'm a fan of both of these guys. And if you haven't seen him, if you don't, I didn't know Sam Neill was on Instagram until this either. So that was exciting for me. So I was like, oh, I'm going to follow him. But uh, the reason they're together is also exciting because they they are in the UK filming uh, Jurassic Park, I'm sorry, Jurassic World yep. Dominion. Um, which I am both simultaneously unbelievably excited for and so apprehensive because I, I am, I definitely have my doubts about Trevorrow uh, directing. And um, I don't know if you saw the book of Henry, I did but I don't know if Henry. I will ever be the same. So <laughs> I didn't mind the book of Henry. I didn't hate it. I, cause I, oh. I'd heard it was the worst film ever. You know, the whole Kai Purbley crap that you hear. 
I thought it was an absolute mess of a film. It was, it was mm-hmm. like, how many, how many genres should we fit into one and this, that, and the other? But by the end of it, I was like, do you know what? <laughs> I enjoyed myself whilst also realizing wow. that I had like 17 different tones. If you want to get a chance to interview him, that might be the the selling point right there is tell him that you didn't mind Book of Henry because I'm pretty sure I'm he guy. has had to defend the Book of Henry to every freaking person he's ever spoken to um, after that because that movie is a nightmare and it, talk about problematic. But, um, yeah. oh boy. And uh, yeah, but um, I, I, I'm excited for it. And I'm, you know, like I said, I love these guys. So it's been great watching their videos. Uh, I just follows Sam Neill, hoping he follows me back. Of course he will. Um, uh, I'm sure. Um, but if you, Matt, if you get a chance, man, I'd say watch at least one of them because they're, they're mostly short, but man, it's fun. It's very fun. It's very, very fun. I love the both of them anyway. I watched the uh, Jeff Goldblum, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, Disney Plus. I watched, uh, binged all through all of those. I like him in, in, in all of the films he's been in. Sam Neill, I think, is excellent. I really like Sam Neill. He's like the most grounded guy in the world. Uh, but the two of them together, it is like the a complete like polar opposite in terms of personalities. You'd think that they work so well together. I, I saw a, a thumbnail um, image of them together, but I never clicked through and watched the video. So I definitely yeah. will do now. Uh, well, I was scrolling through headlines today. Like I'm like, I got to find an article to talk about, and I was like, all of it feels like gossip stuff, where yeah. it's like you know, so and so. And I'm like, I don't want to do gossip yeah, rumor, but technically, I mean, this is this isn't gossip per se, but it's also not like, it's not really news, but, it caught your attention. but it's, but it's something that I personally am very invested in. So I was like, Oh sweet. And, um, editor for Burke reviews, uh, David is a, like, he's probably the biggest Jurassic world fan that I know or Jurassic park slash world fan that I know. Um, he's, he is a big, big collector of like the merchandise mm-hmm. and he, he loves that franchise and has, has since we were kids. And so like I, when I saw it, I was like, Oh, I got to tell David this cause he's going to love, uh, seeing those two guys singing together like when filming started i got a text from him like they started filming like that's how into this franchise he is like this is a, this is and again he's he's into a lot of franchises but jurassic park is his like i think his like other people let it go after i think lost world people were like this mm-hmm. is awful and he was just like no they, they can bring it back and they have and then they lost it again but maybe they'll bring it back uh if history repeats itself it'll just be the first one you know like the jurassic park jurassic world forget the others after those. Well, well yeah, exactly. We'll do it. But they're bringing out a new TV series. They're bringing out an animated series. So they're, they're really going for it. But Dominion, I, I'm with you. And I know, again, this sounds like a hokey thing to say, but it could either be like, this is a blast, or it could be bloody awful. I'm uh, I'm hoping, obviously, that it's going to be great fun. But the question I've got to ask you, JB, Sam, you've obviously you've got um, Laura Dern's back. So you've got Ellie Sattler. You've got um, Dr. Malcolm. And you've got whatever and alan grant's back which one's going to be yep. eaten by a dinosaur um you know the when they first announced they were all going to be in i was like kind of apprehensive that that's all we were going to get was just like a quick cameo but apparently they're like actively involved yeah, yeah. in this one um but dude i don't know can you can you kill off any of these characters like um it's a, it's a, if, it's a trend man game of thrones i guess it, if, off. if you're gonna it, i feel like the logical one I don't know. Do you if they're going for like a comedic kill with a big character? I would say you go with Malcolm because while I think Lost World maybe tries to make him the the main protagonist, the first film, even though he survives, like they were, re- it looked like he was going to not make it. Right, like he does become kind of an emotional tether, but I don't see you killing off Grant um, unless you're going for that heart wrenching 
like equivalent of the brontosaur and the smoke in the second uh, mm-hmm. in Fallen Kingdom. Yep. You know, because that you know, as bad as that movie might be argued from many, that scene choked me up when I when they like you see the brontosaur like in the, the smoke, and, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Um, and it's the same one from the that, first film as well. They confirmed it. Oh, see, that's brutal. But um, yeah, I I think uh, Grant would be the like the bigger emotional gut punch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it depends on what Trevorrow is going for. I'm gonna hope we maybe we get like a Book of Henry style where Grant has died early in the movie, but then tells uh, Chris Pratt's character from the Beyond the Grave how to kill all of the, the pseudo dinosaurs that have been like hybridized because I'm assuming we're going to have a bunch of hybrid dinosaurs, right? Cause that was they're going to go uh, Indo- Indominus Rex. And then we had the, what was it? The Indominus Raptor, um, Indoraptor, in yeah. Fallen King. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure we're going to get some like uh, hybrid, you know, mess of a monster that Chris Pratt will need Alan's like knowledge or something. Well, this know. is the last film. If this is going to be the last Jurassic world slash park film, either ever or for a long time you've got to imagine they're gonna and they and they've bought the the og back you're gonna think they're gonna go balls to the wall so god knows what they're gonna come up with i mean i've seen a few images but i've no idea what they're gonna come up with oh yeah that i i hope it's good though that's my only my only hope is i just hope it's at least like sensible and entertaining yep um and Trevorrow, no pressure uh, so uh, for my one, I've gone for something which, um, speaking of Trevorrow, he's not—he was never attached to any of the projects uh, after a few months. But Mandalorian season two today, Entertainment Weekly dropped the first images from season two. We get the first look at our man, our boy, Baby Yoda's return. Who calls him the child? Well, not many people. Baby Yoda's back. Uh, so Entertainment Weekly dropped a great article actually about um, uh, with some interviews with the cast. But we got to see our first look at the Mando himself, Din Djarin, with Baby Yoda in his, in his shiny costume. We get to see Cara Dune, which is obviously Gina Carano, Grief Cargo, Carl Weathers, and the Mando together as one. And those, those and Grief and Cara individually. We get to see Giancarlo Esposito's Moff Gideon back again. And we know he's going to play a big part this time around, wielding that Darksaber. We didn't see any of the rumoured characters who were meant to be appearing. But you're not going to. In the apparently the trailer is going to blow everyone's balls off, but with one of the reveals in it. So let's wait and see. My my sources, of which I do have some, tell me it's going to be within the next two weeks, and I know that is fairly ah. big. Obviously, two weeks is a long time, but a lot of people were saying it's definitely going to be August 26. It's not. It's going to be September. So watch watch out in the next few weeks. But I look. I'm I, you know I'm a big fan anyway. I I thought the Mando season one was wonderful. Again, some of the some of the episodes sort of went up and down, but overall, I thought it was great. It was just what I wanted from a live action Star Wars TV series. I thought the characters were wonderful. I thought the the music was bonkers. I thought the way they used the volume uh, to create the worlds was very good. I thought the graphics, the CG was pretty damn good, and of course, Baby Yoda, the pop culture sensation, the breakout star of twenty nineteen. So I saw these images, and naturally was very excited. Uh, but I know you you enjoyed Demando as well, and I know you've got a, a few Baby Yoda pieces of merch around your house. Oh, yeah. I, I, I kind of comically, I had been, um, I was in my one of my classes, and I don't remember what prompted it, but one of my uh, co-workers and friends sent a message um, with a pop vinyl that uh, she, it was a picture of like a, I think it's the Disney's Haunted Mansion piano player pop vinyls coming out or something. And she's like, I hate pop vinyls, but I also love them and I hate that I want them all the time kind of thing. And so like 
she did not know that I have a massive collection of pops sitting like in the room that I'm teaching in currently. Um, so I took a picture and sent that and she was like, Oh, I didn't realize I was walking into this conversation. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yes. Um, and I do have, I have four of the child pops four different ones. Cause they have, I think there's a total of five, but I have the target exclusive. I'm missing the Walmart exclusive, which I really, really want because his eyes are closed, uh, doing the hand, like yeah. wrist, like, I really want that one. I have the the regular one. I have him with the cup of soup. I have him with the frog. Yeah, big fan of uh, the child and uh, what we really call him, Baby Yoda. Yeah, um, there's a poster behind me, and I have several T-shirts. Uh, a little bit of a fanboy when it comes to that character. But um, what I I saw this headline, and I almost picked it for my article, and I was like, Matt will probably pick this one. I'll go with Jurassic Park. Um, so. Uh, I, I, I pulled back and I, I didn't go in the article though. I, I wanted to stay true, uh, to our, our format here that we don't, you know, we shared, this is the first I've heard about it. You now have permission um, but, to enter the article. Right. Um, I did, I did flip through the pictures while you were talking though. Cause I was like, I gotta see the pictures. Um, so I, I am very excited. I didn't realize we were getting this, the show in October, uh, apparently, um, for season yeah, two. Of the October is dropping. And the good thing is you, um, obviously for oh, internationally it's the same but uk and us getting it at the same time for finally so we're gonna get it on the same day yeah because we got it a few like well we got disney plus what like three months Dude, before you uh, or something, right five months almost because it's you guys oh, got it in september i think and we had to wait till march yeah see i guess i it's been such a crazy year i didn't realize it'd been a year since i watched mandalorian um mad you know, I'm thinking I watched it like in March or something, and apparently no, I watched it in September, I guess, because that was the that dropped with the the Disney Plus series, right? Like it came out at the same time. Yeah, it's what it opened with, yeah. Yeah, that was their big like, hey, here's the reason to, to pay us money. I'm like, oh, okay, Disney, here you go. And since then, they've had a direct line to my wallet because of the child. So <laughs> they're quite good at that, aren't they? Yeah, they are very good at making stuff that we have to have. But yeah, I'm stoked. I can't wait to see the trailer. Uh, I admit. I, I'm always torn about watching trailers because I already know I'm going to watch the show. So like, I don't need the trailer, but at the same time, I really want to see the trailer because I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to see, uh, especially after um, rise of Skywalker, right? Like Mando was the last really great star Wars thing um, from last year, from 2019. So like uh, seeing this continue. And, and uh, of course I'm also really curious to see, are we getting ah- Ahsoka live action for sure? Um, are we going to get Boba Fett in the series? Like those are things that I'm really, really yeah, excited Ahsoka to see. Is as guaranteed as you can say, right? So. Even though they still seem like they're the article makes it seem like they have not confirmed it. No, they, Lucasfilm um, haven't. Rosario, Rosario Dawson has confirmed it, but Lucasfilm yes, hasn't. Plus, again, the people I've been hearing from have said, "Watch the trailer." So uh, the other thing, um, I, I commenting because Giancarlo Esposito is the. Uh, the villain he's right of a year he dude he's on everything he's, he's on the boys you know he's on the boys season two like on amazon and i'm just like this guy's like in every show and he's always a great villain because if you if you haven't watched breaking bad stop the podcast <laughs> and go watch breaking bad but he's a he's probably one of my favorite parts of breaking bad like he is he's great isn't he yeah in anything he's in a video game as well he's voice he's voicing someone in a video game coming up isn't he well, i think you were correct and uh, he's done some weird roles that people don't like recognize and he's been around for a long time too like he's in tons of movies um but he's in a, a musical uh, that's real. It's like a uh, really small musical called Stuck um, from a couple of years ago that I really like a lot. Uh, I think it's on Prime now or Hulu. Um, it's it's all set on a single subway car, and it's why it's called Stuck. They get stuck in a car, and it's like mm-hmm. it's it, man. It's a really 
solid musical. It's not perfect, but I really enjoy it, and he's amazing in it. Like, I just think he's excellent. And yeah, getting cool. to hear I mean, him he sing. He didn't do the right thing, like, 30 years ago. Right, yeah. Again, uh, dude's been around, and he's always great, but, man, um, he's in uh, Mo' Better Blues as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, with, with Spike. Like, he's just terrific actor who I didn't really have, like, I wasn't as cued in on until Breaking Bad. That was kind of like, I'm like, who is this guy? And then I think I've now seen so many of his projects. But yeah, this year alone, between The Boys Season 2 dropping and him being in it, and then this, I'm just like, this dude's like kicking butt, man. He's just pulling up all these big roles. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan. Um, ooh, I love what you're typing right now. Um, Thank you. Uh, but yeah, that's the articles. Um, I think we should move on. Let's do it. Let's uh what I was typing, the int- the uh, the atmosphere will build a tension for the next segment. But you know it, you love it, and if you don't, it's media consumption. Basically, what have we been um, indulging ourselves in to pass the time since the last episode? So movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't any of our own. Um, so what have we been indulging in? JB, you've always got a fine selection. So in the last seven days, what on earth have you been uh, checking out? So, oh, I forgot one. I just realized. Um, so one, uh, one of my classes, my most advanced in my seniors, uh, they are already kind of in, in the swing of things because they don't need as much like setup because they've been doing the, the class with me for a while. So uh, I just typed the wrong thing. Um, as I was saying the word senior, I typed senior. Uh, so they, they already watched one of their their first films, uh, which we, we I started them off with The Breakfast Club um, because it's leading into our bigger topic for the year. And, uh, but it was fun. Um, I, I had to watch it. I, I'm because we usually watch movies together. We can't do that right now. So they're watching it at home on their own. Um, and so I broke it up into chunks. Like I, I'm, I'm treating it like an English teacher would treat a book, like read chapters one through four before the next class kind of thing. So I had them like watch the first 30 minutes, second 30 minutes. And then the last 37 minutes, uh, was over the weekend. Um, and about half of my class had seen it. The other half had not. And so that was interesting having like that the mix of opinions and some had seen it when they were younger. And so watching it now as a high school kid, what do you think of that? Um, and uh, so I watched that, um, but I, I think I've told, I've talked to you for sure about the secret history of Hollywood podcast and that they just started the Cary Grant series and they've only dropped, they, they slowly dropped the episodes, but to be really, really fair, the first episode of this Cary Grant series is 12 hours long. So I haven't checked it out yet. You need to freaking <laughs> listen to it, man. Yeah. It's worth it. It's again, you can do it like an audiobook. You know, you just like listen to like thirty minutes here, thirty minutes yeah, there. It, it it's it's so worth it. But I am a big big fan of diving into people's filmographies, and um, it's why I love the Blank Check podcast so much. And uh, so Cary Grant is kind of where I'm I'm at right now. So I've been watching some Cary Grant movies that I've been uh, some one of which I've been meaning to watch for almost two years. Uh, I watched. She done him wrong, which is uh, kind of the film that helped break Cary Grant into mainstream Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just outside the silent era too. Like the movie feels like a silent film when it first starts because I'm like, there, there's no dialogue and there's a lot of just like visual B roll type stuff. Um, and the music even has kind of that vibe. It, it's very good film. It has an iconic line: uh, "Come up and see me sometime." Yeah. Um, uh, bringing up baby, which um, when I found out what baby was in the title i was very surprised in a in a good way like it's a, a it's a big gag throughout the film and i was like well i would not have guessed that's what the title was referring to totally thought that it was referring to like either a baby or like the the name the nickname we call our girls you know hey baby um 
But the one I've been waiting for that I've owned now, when Criterion released Notorious, I bought it immediately. Uh, it was a Hitchcock film that I kept hearing about, but for a while it was really hard to find. Like you couldn't get it because it was out of print. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they released it, I immediately bought it and I literally took it out of the package yesterday. <laughs> but I finally pushed, I'm like, I'm going to watch Notorious. And oh man, I love Alfred Hitchcock, dude. I, I know that is such a hot take for a film critic to praise Hitchcock. But, you know, it is... Every time I indulge in it, right. Well, and that's the thing. Every time I I get to a Hitchcock film, I'm always awed um, because I've watched so many movies and one, so many directors have taken from Hitchcock. So you like, often it's like that realization of like, oh, that's where they got that. And then uh, I was listening. I actually watched one of the the special features on the Blu-ray after I watched the movie. And um, I can't remember who the the gentleman was, but he was talking about uh, how this, how notorious is like the epitome of the Hitchcock isms. Mm -hmm. Like this movie does it in such a way where it all culminates at the end. It's just, it showcases the, uh, uh, the talent we all know and often associate with his later movies. Cause notorious falls kind of in the middle. It's one of his early American films, but it's, it's pre psycho It's pre rear window, pre, um, uh vertigo which are the i think when people think hitchcock those are the three big films that most people have seen at least even if that isn't the general consensus of his best those are the three big ones and i think a lot of people argue vertigo i argue rear window um but notorious is just outstanding it's also ingrid bergman who is just i mean come on like she's amazing those two together Um, i think they did what i think they did what four films together in their time but they were a great pairing yeah, so getting to finally watch it uh, was one. It, it was it was a good feeling to peel open the the cellophane on a on a Criterion Blu-ray, um, but then watch it. It was it's so it was so great um, because I I watched To Catch a Thief recently, uh, which is Cary Grant and Hitchcock later on. Um, and I didn't love that one, and I was really surprised because I really expected to love that one. Um, it's not bad. I just didn't like. I didn't love it. Like I love Rear Window and Psycho, and I'm just like drawn in. And honestly, when Notorious started, I was like, "Oh no, I don't know if I'm gonna. I'm not feeling pulled in." And by the end, I was so in. And so I was like, "Okay, it just was a slow burn," and I was okay with getting there. Um, but then I watched uh, a couple other movies, um, non Cary Grant related. I watched Raging Bull for Movie yeah. Club, which is a Martin Scorsese Funny. film that I should have seen. Yeah, well. I, I tried to watch it once before. I tried to watch it on a New Year's Eve. I think the New Year's Eve of uh, the end, like getting into 2017. So I think it was like one of the last movies I was going to mm-hmm. try to watch for Burke Reviews. And I was just like, this doesn't feel like a New Year's Eve movie. And, you know, because it's, and it was also like, there was a lot of like hostility and domestic violence really early in the movie. I was like, I don't know if I want to sit through this for two hours. Um, so I stopped. And uh, I, when I started it again, I was feeling like, oh God, I don't know if I want to sit through this. By the end, I was like, wow, this movie is amazing. And for me, what I, what made me love Raging Bull even more was talking to Corey, my, my movie club partner, about it. Because we've done, I think we're at 291 episodes of Movie Club. <laughs> and I've never, I've never witnessed her get so into a movie. Wow. Than she did. She is, she's buying the book that Jake LaMotta wrote. Um, she found it on a thrift store because it's out of print and it's like $200 on Amazon, like to buy the physical book. Um, but she found it at like a, like a used bookstore online somewhere. Um, and, but she was like, she was sending me articles about it while we were like in the middle of talking. Like she was so in, in just engaged with this film. And I was just like, wow, this is how I am with all movies. And I love, like, (laughs) I love seeing her like get so into it because, uh, she has, 
after a couple of years of doing these theme months where we like dive into a filmography of somebody, she does not like that. Like I do, <laughs> like it is not her, her preferred way to watch a, a series of films is not because of the filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and we just started Scorsese. So she was kind of going into this like, Oh boy. But I'm just like, well, if she loved this one. Maybe she'll love all of the Scorsese Can movies we watch this month. Uh, well, see, now we're only doing four movies. So I and I've seen Silence. I love. I like Silence. it, but I don't it's, know. A, it's, it's a watch, isn't it? Oh, it's a tough. It's a watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, as much as I love it, I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna gonna go right back into it. But it's it's really good. Um, but so watch Raging Bull. Uh, watch American Gangster because of um. Uh, there's another podcast that I got really into this year, although I just found out it's doing season. So I have to also wait for this one to come back around, but it's uh truth versus Hollywood. Uh, David Chen from the slash film cast and Tasha Robinson, I hope is her name. Um, who's on other podcasts, but I only listen to this one. Um, no offense to her. I just, that's this, I don't always fit everything in, but, um, they, they do, uh, movies that are based on true stories, but they also like do it. They have interviews with the actual people who were involved or at least historians who have done like the, the factual research and they do compare and contrast, which I love. I love that whole premise of like, what's real, which it seems to be what Corey is really latching onto with raging bull, by the way, is like the true story versus the film. Like she's really into that whole, uh, true crime element of it kind of thing. And, um, so they, their last episode, the only episode this season that I hadn't seen the movie already was American Gangster. Like I'd seen, they did uh, Social Network, they did um, Argo, they did, uh, um, crud, I'm going to forget again, um, Zodiac, Goodfellas, and I think there's one more. Oh, um, I, um, oh what's the movie with the Spielberg film with with uh, Eric Bana? Um, oh. Munich. Okay. Uh, Munich. Um, and then American Gangster was what they ended their season on, which I was really bummed because I didn't realize they were ending it with that one. Uh, not that – like I had never seen it before. And that movie just reminded me how much I love Russell Crowe and tried to deny it because of Les Mis. Like Les Mis <laughs> really put a bad taste in my mouth about Russell Crowe. But I tend to really like Russell Crowe and he's really factor, great in this. I think. And yeah, uh, and he's really good in American Gangster. And of course Denzel. Yeah. Denzel is like always amazing. But um, And then the last movie I watched – I'm sorry for taking no, so long with this, good, but um, have you ever seen Real Genius? I've never seen Real Genius. Uh, from 1985. So my friend, who I'd been begging to watch um, Blind Spotting for a while, uh, she may, she's the reason I watched Tombstone last week, um, had uh, also made me go back and finish Psych. I finally have watched all eight seasons of Psych. Uh, and I was on the last season. I finally went and finished it. Um, she informed me, and I didn't realize this, but the character of Sean, who's the main character in Psych, played by James Rodé Rodriguez, um, is basically a hybrid of Ferris Bueller and Val Kilmer's character from Real Genius. I had never even really heard of Real Genius. Like, I'd heard of it, but it never... Of all the 80s movies that most people like bring up, Real Genius has never been one that people have been mm-hmm. like, you've never seen that? To me, right? Until this, this friend. And so I bought it. Uh, I finally watched it. One, it's a lot of fun. It does have the same, a lot of the eighties, like problems of like, you know, over-sexualizing women and things like that. But Val Kilmer is tremendous in this role. It's one year before Top Gun. He's playing a senior in high school here. And then like, he's in Top Gun. It comes off as at least like 2022 in Top Gun. So, uh, you know, it's crazy how that he can pull that off, but, um, the movie's really funny, but if you are a fan of psych, you will immediately see how James Roday took mannerisms from the character in this movie and put them into Sean. Like there are so many little things where you're just like, wow, that's how he sits down. Wow. That's how he moves. Uh, like he totally did an amazing job of pulling this character into 
his character of Sean. Um, so that was the last uh, movie that I watched. Um, but then I had to buy a game, Matt. And I hit Go the on. nostalgia button. Um, I don't know if you ever played Tony Hawk Pro Skater back in the day. I played it a few times with a couple of my buddies, yes. That was a favorite of mine on PlayStation, which I don't think I ever owned it. I think I always had to rent it. Um, and like I, Or I had the demo and I played it all the time. Like I, I played it a lot. And mm-hmm. I was never great at it, but I really, really loved it. And I, I own several of the later ones that get progressively they try to add too much story and stuff uh this one's much more straightforward it's just like hey you're a skater do things it's like okay it's like it seems like i'm supernatural in some ways because i can spin way more than a actual skater could like yeah don't worry about that just have fun like oh okay and that's what this game is and it's great it's a it's a rehash of one and two and they are amazing um i mean as far as like what they are they're they're not trying to be anything more than a skating game they have a lot of customization options and they have uh you, you can build skate parks and if it to me what it's been is a perfect kind of cap to my night because I'll, I'll be working i'll be watching movies um and this i can kind of turn my brain off and just you know skate and i i can't skate in real life but in this game i can skate okay i wish i was a little better because there's a few uh, high score goals that i can't meet but I, i'm working on it um and then lastly, and somewhat disappointedly, I forgot Amazon uh, is not like Netflix. That when they drop a new show, they don't drop all the episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drop like three to tease you. But then you got to wait a week for either. I don't know if they do uh, one a week after this or if they do three a week for like the, the run. But uh, The Boys season two, which I mentioned a little bit ago, dropped this weekend. Um, I was I slept on the first show. Like I just watched the first season like a month or two ago. I heard a lot um, of good stuff about it. I am a huge fan. One because I I'm gonna forget his name. Carl uh, Urban, mm-hmm. maybe one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood. Like that guy, Carl Urban is is great. Dude, he steals everything I've seen him in, with the exception of Ragnarok. He's good in Ragnarok, but he doesn't steal it because Hemsworth and and and. Uh, if anybody steals Ragged Rockets, it's, it's Goldblum. Let's be real, right? Yeah. And he's good in so, Lord of the Rings. He, he might not steal it, but he's still good. I didn't realize Carl Urban was in Lord of the Rings. You've seen Lord of the Rings, yes. Uh, there's so many people in Lord of the Rings, to be fair. And it's been a while since I watched it, so I probably wouldn't immediately recognize him. But like, if you slept on Dread, for example, mm. go back and watch Dread, because it's re- not Judge Dread. Just Dread. Dread. Um, really, really good, especially if you like The Raid, which we'll talk about momentarily. And... um. But Carl Urban, dude, he is so good in the boys. And then uh, the, the there's a I forget the the main guy's name is not coming to me, but he is somebody's kid, and he's really good and like uh, I would say surprisingly good. Like where I'm like, how have I not heard of this guy before when I watched the first season? So season two drops, uh, only three episodes. I've watched all three. I am still a fan. Um, I I from what I've seen, like some people seem to be a little mixed on it I, I think it's got its share of uh it's, it's the second season maybe they're they're definitely seen i've read the first graphic novel and the, even like from the very first season they 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 took license from it like it, they definitely deviate from mm-hmm. the book um which i'm okay with i i wasn't a, a i wasn't i saw the show and then read the book so i wasn't going in with any preconceived notions like i do with batman movies right where i go in with a lot of baggage and you have to win me over um the boys though just works. Carl Urban is is fantastic. Actually, to be real fair, uh, a lot of the cast is new to me, but the cast is tremendous. I think there's a lot of really great performances. Um, it, it's just it's a crazy 
kind of twist on the superhero story. Um, it's very violent. It has a lot of cursing. So know that going in. Don't uh, There's nudity. Like it is a mature mm-hmm. show. This is not a comic book show for little kids. This is a, a mature adult comic book show that deals with some really crazy issues that feel a little bit on the nose in some ways <laughs> right now. But um, that's okay. Uh, but yeah, it season two, first three episodes, I give thumbs up. Uh, I say if you like the first season, definitely go to it. You might want to wait until they're all there. That is the disappointment because I did kind of go in expecting, all right, I'm going to binge the whole series. And I was like, there's only three episodes. What's happening? And then found out. Like, I don't mind the week. I think there's eight episodes in the season. I know. I, it, it, I, don't a, I hate the cliffhanger of having to wait for the week, but it, it's that whole thing about giving people a week to talk about it and get excited for the next um, episode rather than dropping them all in one go Which, and then the hype's gone a week later. Right. Netflix is the only one who drops That's all right, the yeah. episodes. Um, at least, again, I haven't watched every Amazon series, but I, I'm fairly confident this was how they did The Boys Season 1. Uh, I, I know they did it with another series. Hulu has notoriously done that where they'll drop like three episodes and then you have to wait a week um, for like a series. Like They give you like, here's enough to get you hooked. And then we'll keep, you know, we'll, we, you have to come back next week. Um, and I guess we grew up watching TV that way anyway. So we're we're not as uh, disconnected from that model. But I do think um, a, a couple of conversations came up in my film class today. One, one of my students called it stupid that they didn't drop all of it. And I'm like, to be fair, it's not stupid. It is traditional. Um, but I we still call that a TV show, right? Like right now we're calling The Boys yeah, yeah. a TV show, not a movie. It's a TV show. And I think we might have to change what we call shows from TV shows, because the assumption there is that people are watching it on TV and a lot of people are watching it on their computer or their phone. And we might just need to call them streaming or just shows and drop TV off the, because again, television was the device in which we watched them. It's not necessarily anymore. And again, for a large audience of, of the youth, I would say their phone is like, we're not going to call them phone shows. That's what Quibi was for. And we all saw how that went. So, um, yeah, but I, I do think it's an interesting kind of uh, you know take on it on this format. Um, is it better to drop them all at once and let us just have at it, or is it better to uh, hook us in and and drag us along for weeks? Um, it is debatable whether or not it should be uh, you know like on demand. If it's an on demand service, why not just give mm-hmm. us all of it? But again, I. I I was excited for each week of the Mandal- Mandalorian. Like I was actively like, all right, today's a new episode. You know, like I was excited about that. And I kind of, I like when it stretches over weeks rather than it's all here. And go- like, I mean, think about Christmas morning, right? Like you, there's so many weeks of buildup and then it's like over in five mm-hmm. minutes, you know, you've o- ripped open all the presents. It was, sometimes it's, it's nice to like wait a couple weeks and, and stretch it out. So you get to really enjoy each one and appreciate it for what it is versus like, having so much and like i don't even remember what i just watched but it was great you know <laughs> it comes an event doesn't it it's event television yeah so uh but debate what what have you been consuming man i, I just like threw up all the stuff i consume so no well you as always you're a busy man in terms of consumption mine is um slightly less so this week um but I, it's all it's all movie based. I haven't really caught up on any po- new podcasts other than the usual ones I mentioned. I haven't got around to listening to the classic Hollywood podcast. So uh, part of the reason is because I forgot about it until you just mentioned it. So I am going to make a note of it um, and probably treat it like an audio book because obviously, who the hell's got twelve hours free to binge yeah, one no. thing like that? But um, it took me like a week and a half to get through it. So exactly, like- in a couple of hours a day. I there, there are some shows I listen to which are. 
weekly and they're kind of two and a half hours and I think you know bloody I can't get through I can't get two two and a half hours in one go and I'm not even the busiest guy in the world I'm just a normal guy um so I do like to condense things but I will check that out but in terms of films and also as you know I'm not the biggest television or web series or streaming viewer not because I don't like them but I am I like being able to watch a film I just talk about podcasts not listen to that for two hours but I could watch a two-hour film but with a TV series, I've got such a, I, an obsessive um, disorder, not literally, but if I watch uh, something like The Boys and I think that first one's great, I have to then watch every single one. I can't, the idea of sleeping for eight hours and having to wait 12 hours during the day to watch the next load, I have to watch all of them. So to me, it's a commitment, which I've only done a few times. So with something like The Boys, I will eventually watch it because I've heard so many so many good things about it. So many people I trust raving about it. And now to hear that you're digging it, I will check it out. Um, and games, I haven't had any new games. I've been playing Fall Guys a lot recently only because my four-year-old has learned how to turn the PlayStation on, learned how to navigate to Fall Guys and play it. Not very good, may I say, but for a four-year-old, she's fantastic. So I have to watch her play and I have to help her out. I say that like it's a bad thing. Um, so I haven't really been playing any games recently. So I've only been watching films, uh, a lot of action films for NPM. I've been I watched Ong Back, um, Mai Tai Warrior, which is a Taiwanese action film, martial arts film, uh, to compile for the next episode, which is all about the best action films of all time. And this is a film that came up an awful lot. We've done our research, we've watched an awful lot of action films, and some that we hadn't seen because I don't think you can do a best of film unless you've really indulged in as many of these films as possible. So we, me and Ant, we looked at as many best of action film lists as possible. We compiled our own ideas, but we wanted to see if there are any films that came up an awful lot on other people's lists that we should probably check out just to say, you know, at least we can say we've seen it. One of them is called Hard Boiled, which I didn't watch. Thankfully, Ant watched it and said it's good, but it's not great. Ong Back was one I decided to watch. It came up on an awful lot of people's best of action films list. And... I watched it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I had some great sequences in of just like balls out action with uh, Tony Jaa is the lead. And some of the action, like the, including like the famous double knee drop, is like, brutal. But in terms of is it one of the best action films of all time? It's not making the top 10 because there's a lot which wasn't great about it. But it's still a decent film. So, if, you know, it wasn't all that long either. It's about an hour and a half, I think, or just over an hour and 40 minutes. On back, check it out. It's, you know, it's not the most narratively driven film, but not many action films are. Um, you mentioned it earlier on, The Raid. Already seen it, but I went back to rewatch The Raid to see, does this make it the top 10? It may just make the top 10. The Raid is just bonkers. I really, really like The Raid. Talking about films which aren't necessarily, necessarily character or story driven, the Raid isn't, but the action in it is just, like, ridiculous. Uh, and The Raid 2's fine. I like The Raid 2, but I think The Raid is far superior. Um, and, of course, when those guys got cast in The Force Awakens, everyone lost their minds and Candy Club. But The Raid, I think, is decent. I really like The Raid. Uh, I also rewatched The Rock, Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage, and a Michael Bay film from an era where Michael Bay just made decent action films. Still mindless, still not... You know, um, yeah, still a lot of Bayism, shall we say. But Con yeah. Air and The Rock and things like that were a great double act. The Rock, I think The Rock is great. I really love The Rock for just varying reasons. Again, is it is it an art house film like we've mentioned today? 
Absolutely not. Sean Connery is just a beast in it. The amount of quotes in that film, which I attribute to real to everyday life, surprisingly, are many. They are legion. And I rewatched The Rock, uh, Into the Dragon. We mentioned that on the seventy-three episode of Movie Astrology. If you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. So I rewatched that again to refresh my memory. Is this one of the ten greatest action films or best action films of all time? Not favorite, but best. Didn't make the cut for the top ten, but it's still a a good film. It is, you know, it's it's fine. It's not one of the best films ever. It's great. It's good fun, but it didn't make the top ten. So Into the Dragon, I watched, and the ubiquitous mention of Frozen Two. My daughter watches that every bloody day, <laughs> and I say that now. It's you know what I when I first saw it at the cinema when it came out, I wasn't overly keen, and I was like, it's. It was good. I really liked the trailers, but I wasn't so sold in the film. Then when I rewatched it the first time with her on, thank God for Disney Plus. I was like, you know what? Actually, that's quite good. Every day for three weeks, four weeks, in fact, I hate it now. And also the first <laughs> film, it's not. It's, a, it's always a double act, and even the the boss at home here is even like, just say no. Just you know, she needs to watch other things. And it's either that or PJ bloody masks. And I'm like, do you know what? If it keeps her happy. I don't mind watching Frozen. I, you know, I want the I, the idea of having her getting into Disney and digging all that kind of stuff is great. I love it. Can I ask a few oh. questions uh, journalistically to you for a minute? Here, I'm going to like drill yeah. you. Has she watched any of the other princess films? Well, she's tried. She likes Tangled, or she says she does. She likes Rapunzel. Um, I've tried. To, I've tried. This is interesting. I've tried to get her to watch things like The Little Mermaid, and she kind of likes it. She likes the idea of Ariel, but the animation style throws her off which oh, is something we mentioned in, in astrology. Would kids nowadays like the older animation, the 2D animation, compared to the more um, polished 3D animation? But So she likes the idea of Ariel, but I think she gets bored during it, whereas Frozen and... What about Moana? Tangled, she hasn't watched Moana yet. I am going Ooh. to get her to watch it, but she's just so into Anna and Elsa at the minute, where yeah. you know it's the, it's the Anna and Elsa pyjamas, it's the, the pillow on her bed is Anna and Elsa and... But she does have, and she's got the dolls for Christmas. She does have other Disney princesses in her toy box. And she's got a Disney princess pillow that she loves and that. But it's all Anna and Elsa at the minute. And every goddamn day, Frozen 2 is just... <laughs> honestly, I, it, so, we, we keep this show PG for, for good reason. But it's test, I'm testing that at the minute. And again, Frozen 2 is a decent film. It's a good film, actually. It's a very fun film. But God almighty. Too many times, yeah. I mean, if I said to you, can you see what, what's your what's your favorite film, John? All time, all time, or you know, what would you class as if you had to be put on the spot? Scott Pilgrim versus the World. If I made you watch that every single day for a month, and then maybe even twice, by the end of the month, you wouldn't dislike the film, but you would start to think, you know, I can't do this anymore. Surely. So I'm gonna fess up here. Um, when I was like, I was maybe her age, but also probably from her age to like high school. Uh, there's a reason my gap list is so massive is because I only watched a few movies over and over and over again. Like I watched, uh, I religiously watched Wayne's world, religiously watched, uh, Adam Sandler's like, uh, Billy Madison and happy Gilmore, like way too much wedding singer later would get added to that list. Um, bad boys. That's my Michael Bay movie. I rewatched bad boys. I can't even tell you Friday. Um, ice cube and Chris Tucker love that movie. Watched it way too many times. Uh, but Encino Man, if I didn't there say that go. one already, that was when I, I, I cycled through the VHS to the point where God I broke my damn. VHS and had to get another one. Um, so I feel 
uh, her. And then I had a cousin um, who was, uh, when he was younger, was very similar to that. And it was uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie was the one he was like constantly where we had to hide the VHS at one point. Because it was like. The mid-90s, the original. Yeah, yeah, the original. Uh, We had to hide it. And uh, the truth was, I I still liked Power Rangers because I like martial arts, which is a good segue because that is my one issue with the four movies you listed here. In my head, only one of them is an action movie, and that's The Rock. The others, I think of as martial arts films, which are... Everyone I've asked, um, I've asked a few people, and I was going to ask John, but the thing is, John John would give me such an eclectic list, it would make me rethink my entire list. But everyone I've asked, when I say, right, and and there there is a reason the the question is open-ended, I say, what's your favourite action films? And they all said, define action. I say, no, you tell me, what do you class as action? And because one of the questions, one of the things people were saying was like, is Indiana Jones action? I say yes, because to me, I say adventure. To me, and that's it, it's action adventure. But Indiana Jones, I don't think he's one of the greatest adventure stars. Indiana Jones is one of the great action stars. So there's that side of it. And, and is there more action to it? You know, what's the balance? Does, you know, Jurassic Park came up, I was like, there is action in that, but I wouldn't class it as an action film. Um, there, you know, there's so many either. other like Inception. Does that come up as an action film? I wouldn't it's, think so, to be honest. Like Inception, there's action scenes in Inception, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't. Well, Looper was another one. Then when I rewatched Looper, I was like, do you know what? Actually, mm-hmm. this is a sci- This is an action film. It's a sci-fi action. Film. So action covers an awful lot. So to me, martial it arts it, is it's... action to, to me. Sure, and it, I would say, to be fair, action is not a, an official genre. Action is a, a designation used by stores to put movies yeah. in, um, more so. Uh, I, I would say like it's hard to define what makes an action film because what are you saying? I think martial arts is a subgenre of that overarching umbrella of action, but it's such a specific style because when I think of like action for me, I think of like upbeat i think of michael bay mm-hmm. to be yeah. fair like i think michael bay makes action movies and that's where his more recent films have not been great because he's not really making action films anymore it's like he's trying to dabble into other areas where he just doesn't get it um but like you watch bad boys and like the kinetic energy that he puts out i what i think it was like i need that i want it to feel like the movie's moving and i have no mm-hmm. time to catch my breath for it to be like a great action film um where like i don't think that's what enter the dragon's trying to do i think it's setting up these epic martial art battles that you will talk about, but it, it won't ever feel like there's moments of reflection and there's moments of, of quiet mm-hmm. and same, even with the raid as intense as the raid is, they give you a breather do, for yeah, a few seconds. Right. Um, and I haven't seen on I've owned that for a while and it's been on my radar as well because I am a fan mm-hmm. of martial arts. It's films. decent. It's nothing um, wrong with it. Sure. But I, I, I think if we were to compare it strictly as a martial arts film versus a, action overall action film i think it might be higher on the list because the martial arts is probably very true like it man gets a lot of praise for that same reason like i've i've watched the first and second it man i think which i like but i also find to be a little slow at times and it's it's a lot more story um but once you get to those fights those fights are epic and i think you see that in the later movies they they throw the story away and they're focused more on the fights um when they bring mike tyson and i think is in it man three um but uh, this wasn't meant to be a long conversation on martial arts films, but I, I am intrigued because um, wh- I, I teach film genre for film one, two, and three, and action is not in that textbook because it is not a real genre oh. per se. It's it's a classification of a very the same thing with drama. Drama, drama yeah. is not a, right. Drama is like everything's drama. It, you know, a movie without drama is almost mm-hmm. not a movie, right? Like there's there's drama in everything. Well, if you look at like- and same thing. Sorry, go on. 
comedy too. I was gonna say like comedy is not a genre because comedy is too broad. You have slapstick or screwball or you have uh, um, romantic, which is You're my favorite. Yeah. You know, like, um, but yeah, so a, a compelling question. It is fun to hear it these is, different. You look at look at something like Predator, sci-fi action horror. But I look, I, th- I look at it and think, you know what? First up, I see it as an action film. But same as Aliens, everyone says it's one of the greatest action films of all time. But it's a sci-fi action film. You know what I mean, it's it's it, 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 it's very hard to classify something as just action. It's always there's always a, a, another genre or subgenre attached to it. And after this podcast is finished, I I implore Jonathan Burke to send me his top ten action films or what what you class Which, as action. Um... Plug your that episode again. What what show is it's that? It's a moving be picture on? madness episode. It's a new um new pod. I've start uh, like my buddy Ant, the uh, my friend from UK. Um, we spoke. We, we we speak a lot anyway. So we used to stream on YouTube or we just chat. And um, eventually, we just like should we just do this on a show, which is an organic way of doing it. And each week, we pick a new kind of pop culture esque type um topic. So the first first episode was the Resident Evil films. We had to watch all six of them god and speak about them the second film was the legacy of the aliens franchise it wasn't necessarily reviewing the films it was the legacy of the franchise and the films and how it's gone the last one which we dropped the other day was the films of ryan johnson and the next one is you know the best action films of all time so the top 10 plus some honorable mentions and then eventually we're going to do our favorite action films which are going to look a lot different um so that comes out every monday that's going to be so yeah, we're going to drop into our top ten in no particular order, and there are going to be some on there which are, you know, quintessential. There are some very obvious ones because there's a reason why they're on everyone's top ten list because they are the best action films. But there's also a couple which we've thrown in there, not to be different, but just you know maybe to be like you know just because to us they are the best. We've had literally watched so many. Like I mean, my friend Ant's been watching films all weekend: True Lies, The Fugitive. Uh, the second raid, uh, seven samurai. So many to that. That's like, that's like nine hours long. See, right away, I'm like, that's not a seven samurai. But, but we've been, but we've been, and, that, and that's it. We wouldn't have thought so, but we looked at so many best of lists, and seven samurai was appearing in sixty percent of them. Maybe not the top ten, but wow. like just just a list of best. And it was kind of a. We thought, well, let's do a. We thought it would be a disservice to say to not at least check them out, so we can at least yeah, yeah. I mean, watch them. But they didn't make the list, and then be able to. Seven Samurai is amazing. It's don't one get of the me best wrong, films like, of all time. Right, but I would, I, in my head, I don't. I think of that as so much more than an action movie. But um, which it sounds uh, like I'm de- demeaning action films, which I don't mean to be. But um, but yeah, I mean that movie. One, what an investment! That's a four hour movie just to check out. You know, like to to verify it's not one of the best action that, movies. Thankfully, because I'd already seen it. Yeah. a couple a year or a couple of years ago. But but it was a case of that. So not to go on too much to puff the runtime out, but it was a case of we've we've watched uh, about between us quite a lot of film, about thirty odd films to be able to say right. And these are the ones which consistently pop up. And I give even things like Ong Back and things like that, and Ip Man, which uh, I haven't watched, and Hard Boiled as well things that pop up a lot to be able to say right we have done our research and this is what we think of the best and there are some on there which are obvious but there's a reason for that so um but that's coming out next week and i will be getting john's top 10 in the next few hours and i want to see how many of yours make the list and what you consider to be an action film but um yeah i i'm gonna have to start working on it i'm actually now i'm really i i think you've given me something to do for the next four days (laughs) so my brain's like well, well, I'll be checking in. I want to make I'll be this checking list. in all the time about this. Well, but it's just interesting. And the guys out there as well, 
it just as a film question, not related to any other show, but what do you class as action? Because it is a bigger story, I think, as well, but it's a bigger, broad genre. But what are you, what would you class as a great action film? But, um, well, the guys and, act, guys and girls in action films, they look bloody awesome. But me and John, we have to stay bloody awesome. It's a level, a high level of which to hit every week, but I think we do a damn good job of doing it. But, you know, there is some work involved. So, John, how on earth have you been staying bloody awesome this week? Well, um, I hit a new uh, weight goal, uh, like yesterday, actually. Um, I stepped on the scale, and every time I step on the scale, especially since uh, quarantine, I've always been a little apprehensive because I I don't have full access to my gym and stuff. And um, sometimes the the weight fluctuates a few (laughs) pounds here and there. Um, But I've steadily kept losing slowly, much slower over the last couple months. But I'm also I'm I'm a I'm not dieting per se. Like I'm I'm eating a little more flexible. Like I still restrict myself with certain things. I'm trying not to eat sweets. I'm also very strict on my calorie count. Um, but I'm eating what is a correct amount of calories. Like I'm eating like around 2,200 calories. And if I burn off more of that, then I eat a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not, I'm trying to have a thousand calorie deficit in my day, which is what I've read is like the right way to, uh, exercise or to lose weight healthily. Right. So I stepped on the scale yesterday and weighed 232. Um, and that is, uh, in context, when I started my weight loss in January of 2019, I stepped on the scale and I weighed 347 pounds. Um, That's a hell so of an achievement. In, right. Uh, it, it is something that I keep – my goal is 220. I, I, my, I mean, realistically, my goal is to like maybe one day see below 200. But honestly, I'm kind of not built for that. Like my body is kind of – like I've been told that I should have played football, but I didn't um, and kind of had no real interest in it anyways. That's, I, I don't want to get hurt. Kind of football, but like our kind of football. Right, American football. I have the shoulders and stuff for it. So like I think I'm kind of built to be around two twenty. I think that's kind of my my natural shape. I can be fit and in the two hundreds and well, it will be okay sick, yeah. kind of thing. And that's what I I'm trying and uh so that was a big thing for me was stepping on the scale and seeing that um I'd lost more. I definitely know some of that was water weight because I just run five miles when I stepped on the scale and I sweat a lot so uh i was probably like edging towards dehydration no not really but i was definitely there was definitely some water weight missing uh when i stepped on the scale yesterday but i was still really happy um it was you know i keep climbing the number this is the lowest i've weighed in at least 15 years um i think when uh in 2010 i was like the last time before this run where i'd started trying to work out and i think the lowest i got was like 245 um, and then I gained a bunch of weight over the years as I got more and more complacent. Um, so like hitting 232 uh, two or whatever I just said um, was a big deal because I'm like, wow, I haven't been this this small in a long time. Probably like 2001, 2002 was like the last time I weighed that. So uh, it's a big deal. So I'm, that's how I'm staying bloody awesome. What about you? Well, that's a hell of an achievement. So again, I say it every week, but well done, man, because it's it's not just losing weight. It's the, it's everything around it. You, you know, anyone can try to lose weight, but it's the discipline. It's eating well, making sure, even on the days where you think, do you know what? I maybe I don't feel like a five mile run today, but it's getting yourself up to do it anyway, and then knowing you've got to spend the rest of the day recovering, and yeah. that's what's holding me back an awful lot. Because I've mentioned on the show that I've been doing it, but I slip in. I've dropped a few pounds this week, pound sterling on like tacos, which is bad. But, <laughs> um, just, and that's the problem is I start to be like book, and then I slip into the old ways again. But I'm trying my way. But that is a fantastic achievement, and that two twenty will come. In very in very quick time, if you're doing that, the discipline I know you've put in, plus doing five miles a day, that two twenty is going to come very quickly. But um, for me, it's something a little less <laughs> exercise heavy. 
Um, and I'd like to be less heavy. But I've been Bill and Ted. The idea of Bill and Ted has inspired me and to look for some most excellent new music. I've always been a fan of music. Um, like John, I'm a musician. I've played guitar for, well, I've been a guitarist. I've classed myself as one for, how old am I now? Uh, for best part of 20 or 20 years, like 19, 20 years now. I've always prided myself, if that's a word, on listening to, like you mentioned about Bill and Ted, having an eclectic music taste, music taste. And I mean that, like listening to whatever I can get my hands on. I don't care who it's from, where it's from, what you did, as long as you love me. I don't care what the music is, as long as I can get into it, I dig it. But in the last few years, I've just gone off the boil, man. And it, I've I've slipped into that kind of um, 30-something habit now of just falling into comfort music. I like listening to stuff I listened to when I was younger or um, just stuff that makes me, you know, stuff which I can just flick through my iPod and be like, yeah, that'll do today. And I want to listen to new music. So I'm I'm being on the lookout for whether it's new bands, new artists, because I'm not precious. I don't have to have a guitar. I don't care where what kind of music it is, as long as I can dig it. So I'm looking for new music. So if anybody's got any recommendations out there, um, then please do give it to me because I want new stuff on my iPod. And uh, I know a lot of people say that music is dying in the last few, in the last decade, you know, a lot of crap's taken over. A lot of the stuff out there now is crap. But there's also a lot of good stuff buried in it, and I want to find it. So, John, have you got have you got one recommendation of a new song? Um, I do. Let me ask though before I, I are you open to like hybrid genres? Anything, literally like, anything. I, 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 music's hard for me to to like. I am also like you, and I, I have I don't know if it's my desire to always kind of be the cool teacher to my students that I I tend to like music that they like. Um, or if I just generally like it, I truthfully believe I just generally like it. Um, but you know, I'm always aware of like, am I just that old guy who's just like latching on to music as my, as my gateway? But um, uh, I, I have a couple, if you don't mind. I'll just like drop some artists. Uh, Grandson is a hip hop influence, like, but rock. And he's kind of a hybrid. Like, I feel like he hits all the genres, but I am a huge fan of Grandson. Um, Mizio, M-I-S-S-I-O. Uh, okay. They... It's basically two guys. I think for tours, they bring a drummer along with them, but it's kind of like, I think they call themselves synth pop, synth pop something or other. They It's a eclectic style of music, but I really get like vibe with them. I, I saw them live with my daughter um, a few months ago before concerts were banned forever, and I had never heard of them before and walked out like, I really like them, and I've listened to their album many, many times. They just had a new song called Wolves that is excellent. Um, I really, really enjoy Again, hip hop influence for sure, but uh, it's man, it's just it's different. Like, there's nothing else I would say is easily to say they're like this other band. They're like, no, they're they're their thing. Um, a song that I absolutely love because of Starbucks. Um, you know, I love coffee. Yes, uh, it's a, an artist named Palfa. It's I, I think it's like powerful, but without the L. So Pow P O W F U, um, and he has a song called Coffee for My Head uh, with a female artist whose name i cannot say it is like beelzebub or that's not it at all but it's like this <laughs> weird long b word that i know it bb do do something or other um but the song is hypnotic and i absolutely adore it again there's a hip-hop influence i'm very into hip-hop right now um i would say my if i do uh i use youtube music as my music source um and uh 
if I hit my, like, they have, like, a section where it's, like, based on your likes, we'll generate a playlist for you. Nice. It is usually uh, various rap artists and then Taylor Swift. So those it's <laughs> kind of where my wheelhouse is right now. Um, if you haven't listened to the new Tay Swift album, I highly recommend that album. That album's I haven't amazing. listened to it. I heard everyone was um, was dropping about it, but I wasn't sure if that was just the, the Swifties yeah. saying how great it was or if that was well, a I actually um, acceptance of it initially thought i was like this isn't for me because it's like way too like chill and vibey and i'm not usually i like upbeat music a lot uh i very much like up tempo um the album has won me over it is absolutely brilliant it is nothing like her other stuff which is what initially didn't pull me in because i like her poppy stuff but i really like this new album there's uh, a song she did with the singer from bone ivor or bonavere i actually mm-hmm. don't know how to say that band's name but bon Iver, um, i've always thought it was uh, me too, but I've heard other people say Bonavere, and I'm like, that makes more sense. But Damn, um, hipsters, Bon Iver. Yeah, but uh, the song with him is amazing and absolutely probably my favorite on the album. But it's it's super good. So that's sorry to drop all those artists on you, but um, I will actually I was starting to text you those things while you were saying, and then you asked me, I was like, well, I guess I'll just say it to him. Um, you can but still I text, text him. you stuff. Yeah, yeah um, <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, I, I, I like finding new stuff. I, I've also been listening. If you're into hip hop at all, uh, Juice World. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he had an album drop post uh, mortem, and uh, there's a song on there that is like kind of a gut punch because he's basically saying, "I'm going to die from drugs if mm-hmm. if you don't listen to me," kind of thing. And you have to think like if you're the producer listening to him record that song, and then he dies, like yep. you have to be like, "Oh crap! I just thought it was a song, and yet like it clearly wasn't." So. Um, it kind of sad and prolific, but it, uh, he's kind of grown on me. I actually prefer his collaborations than his solo stuff. Um, but the collaborations he's done with like, um, Eminem and Halsey and I think Ellie Goulding or something like that are really, really good songs. So just throwing those out there too. Sweet. Well, I'm always up for some news. So yeah, do send them away and I'll check them out. Um, I've, I, cause I hear people so- talking about these new bands, these new artists, these new, um, Hip hop artist, pop artist, whatever it might be, and I'm thinking oh, I have no idea what you're in about. I have heard WAP by Cardi B, and I thought it was awful, Ooh. but um, yeah, that's, that's not the newest song else. I've heard. But yeah. mostly because of the infamy. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the kids in the house listen to some of the new stuff, um, or the new stuff, and I'm, some of it's okay. But I want, I just want to get, I want to not be, not because I want to be like you say, the cool older geezer, but. I just want to listen to new music. I'm my iPod has got the same stuff on for the last ten years. I want new stuff to take over, rather than just going back to the old stuff. So yeah, please do send those over to me. So um, John's been losing weight, and I've been losing my mind trying to find new songs. But that is that then for this episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, where we just covered Bill and Ted face the music. On next week's show, we're keeping it streaming, and we're going to be talking about the Babysitter Killer Queen, uh, the follow up to McGee's 2017. Uh, Samara Weaving led the babysitter so that should be interesting JB I agree looking forward to it yep and uh, if you want to find us online here's where you can on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast B-A-M-P underscore podcast uh, John Instagram where are we we're the bloody awesome movie pod check us out Facebook search for bloody awesome movie podcast you'll see us on there if you want to find me online you can go to whatiwatchtonight.co.uk uh, and then across Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd, just what I watched tonight. Uh, John, what about yourself? You can find me at BurkeReviews.com and on those social medias at BurkeReviews. I implore you to do, to do that and go and check out all of our podcasts because they're bloody awesome. Uh, and if you want to rate and review the show, we would love that. If you like what you've just heard, tell your friends, share the show, that there's a couple of guys each week who just talk about the new films plus pop culture in general. 
Uh, and if you want to jump on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider of choice, leave us a good review and a decent review. We would absolutely dig that and appreciate it. We know you have to take time out of your days to do it, so we would really, really appreciate that. Gets us out there more, plus we get to engage with you guys, which is what we're all about as film fans. So if you could do that, we would love you even more than we already do. But with that, as always, guys, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 blood,